do it. I'm Aria Schwartz, and welcome to the Winsider Show, where it's all about the W. Today, we're talking winners and losers of WNBA free agency. Show, please consider joining our Patreon community for less than a cup of coffee a month. You can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. I'm here with Matt Ellen Tuck of SB Nation, a good friend of the pod and of Windsider, and we're talking about winners and losers of free agency. Matt, this is going to be a decisive topic. Uh, I know we're probably on the same page, but I feel like there's a lot of people who are going to disagree with us. And welcome to the show. Yeah, disagreeing is fun. It doesn't happen enough in the W. I feel like everybody just wants to be like, oh, yeah, no, that player is great. That player is great because there's a concern that if you criticize a player in the league, that you're kind of lessening the league. Well, I think we both agree that criticizing and comparing and what we're not saying that these players aren't deserving of being top tier athletes, of being professional athletes. We're just comparing it like you would in any sport. Yeah, I mean, this free agency has given us so much room to talk shit about everyone and anyone because so much is happening literally at all times. And I think it's the first time maybe ever. I heard Lindsey Gibbs say this too. We're like, we've, we have bad contracts now. Like, we're at a point where we're like, actually, this contract sucks. And you're like, wow, we've never had this. Like, this is this is fun. Oh, yeah, dude, the, uh, not not throw shade, but the Bria Hartley contract? What is going on? What? Uh, good for Bria. Get paid. Oh, yeah, get that bag. But, like, what were they thinking? I could not tell you at all, but it's fun as shit. Yeah, no, I've, I've freaking enjoyed it. I mean, I haven't slept for two and a half weeks or whatever, but besides that, it has been amazing. So I don't actually know if we're recording a pod right now. I might just be completely, uh, you know, hallucinating this conversation. So, you know, <laughs> but uh, let's 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 start with a positive. Let's talk about the winners of free agency. Um, I'll list a team and give my thoughts. I've, I've broken it down to what I think three teams are kind of the biggest winners of free agency, in my opinion. And uh, I'm curious uh, your take on it. Let's start with, for me, one that was in the news today or uh, yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this episode. But the Connecticut Sun, uh, a lot of ups and downs through this free agency, a lot of wheeling and dealing. They they get Dwana Bonner. So that was obviously, in my opinion, she was the best free agent out there. No shade to Skylar Dickens-Smith. But they also lost Shakina Strickland and Courtney Williams. To me, though, adding Bonner and Brian January, I think this team is fine. Now, uh, we were saying right before we started to record, if they kept Courtney Williams, and added Duana Bonner, I'm looking at this team to, in my opinion, and maybe it's a little bit of a stretch, I'm looking at them as the favorites. Maybe not the clear favorites. I, I might say that every once in a while, but I'm definitely looking at them as the favorites to win the championship this year. Talk to me about your thoughts of Connecticut of this back and forth uh, free agency period. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be a little hesitant because obviously breaking up that core five is going to make people a little bit uneasy. But I mean, I think they still came out with a net win, right? Like keeping, like getting Dewana Bonner is the biggest move of the offseason, even if it came at the cost of losing both Courtney Williams and Shakina Strickland. And I mean, losing Shakina was going to just be a, you know, a salary 
deal. Like that, that just wasn't going to work financially. And losing Williams came, um, you know, at, at no fault of Connecticut's. It sounds like she just sort of wanted out. So I think they did the best with what they could do. And bringing Brianne January isn't a loss. Like I don't think they really are going to suffer too hard in the backcourt when you consider that they're bringing in maybe the best wing available, probably the best wing available. Yeah, no, I agree with you on that. I mean, if I, I'm a huge fan of Courtney Williams, and this isn't like at all in any way, shape, or form a comparison of the two. But if you're going to go from losing a all-star, a talk of the town, I mean, the only negative I see as far as like the overall picture, like you were saying, I think it's still net positive. The only net negative that I would say is marketing. Because if there's anybody in this league that is going to bring eyes to your team, it's Courtney Williams. And yeah, you're missing out on that now. And I'd say that's honestly the biggest loss. And and if, if that makes sense, I don't want it to sound like I'm coming at her game at all. No, I mean, obviously, listen, hardly anybody in the league talks more shit than Courtney Williams. So losing that edge sucks. But I mean, the team still has maybe the best three, four, five combination between Bonner, Alyssa Thomas and John Quill Jones in the entire league. So like, They'll be cool. I wouldn't be freaking out at all. Like, I think they still got better. Yeah, and, and no, they definitely got. I mean, look, I, I find it hard for anybody to add Duana Bonner and lose two players and still not be off better. Like that, I'm that hyped on Duana Bonner. Yeah, Jen, thinking like who's can yeah. touch the floor. He she honestly might fit better than Courtney Williams did in current White system. No, she might. And that's the craziest thing. I think, you know, people are getting all hyped on it, but are like, oh, Connecticut fans obviously love Courtney Williams. So I think it's just an adjustment period where they kind of have to realize that. Yeah, I think, listen, Courtney Williams is a great player. I I just, gaining Bonner is better than losing. It's better than keeping her and keeping the same team, I think. No, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, we don't need to get into this, but I do think there's clearly some bad blood between Courtney Williams uh, and Kurt Miller. Like, let's be honest, the, the press release announcing this three-team trade, oh, there was, oh my God, dude, I, I am here for all this drama because look, I don't know what's going on behind. I hear rumblings, but when a team trades a player who is such the face of the team and the vocal leader of this team, and there's no thank you, there's no, we wish you the best. It's basically just, uh, uh, veiled shots and then veiled shots coming back from Courtney. I am there for it. And let's be real. Like you said, Courtney's talking the most crap in this whole league and you're going to try and do a veiled shot at her thinking she's not going to fire back. Come on. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Honestly, it gives, it gives us a little behind the scenes look at what really went down. Obviously Kurt Miller felt the need to explain why he traded away the face of his franchise. So I get why he did it, even if he didn't do it in the best way. And then Courtney defended herself. So there's definite reason to watch Sun Dream, game, Sun Dream Games this upcoming season. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, like, let's be real. The Nikki Collin and the Kurt Miller connection has always been, you know, rainbows and butterflies. And finally mm-hmm. now with with the transfer, you know, Bentley went from Connecticut over to Atlanta and there was still butterflies and rainbows. But now you take Courtney Williams and Shakina, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more of a of a East Coast rivalry there, uh, the the I ninety five rivalry, if you will. And I'm I'm all there for it. Let's move on to a next team that, in my opinion, uh, has won free agency, and that's the L A Sparks. 
they did not lose any key pieces at all. If anything, they've just continued to bolster and fulfill issues that they had this past season. I mean, Brittany, a lot of people are talking about Christy Tolliver being a big move, and I think she is a big move and definitely solidifies this roster. Um, my only question mark, as it were, is this is a team that has big name star power in uh, Candace Parker and Christy Tolliver, who are on the tail ends of their career. So for me, the bigger move is bringing in Brittany Sykes. Uh, having the ability to have her on the team, that athleticism, that speed, that ability to get to the free throw line really hypes me up on them. Talk to me about LA. Yeah, I like what the Sparks did. You know, a lot of teams were in the running to sign Christy Tolliver, and it was going to take a max deal to get her. And I think the Sparks had no choice but to pull the trigger and do it because, yeah, this is it. I mean, all of their top talents, for the most part, are going to be free agents next year. So this is the time. I mean, you have Candace and NECA and Chelsea under contract. You bring Christy, who you know fits with that group together because they won a damn championship four years ago. And I think it makes sense. It's obviously a risk since she's signing a long-term deal and she's 33 and she had health problems for a good portion of last season, but you got to go for it. And I really do like the Brittany Sykes trade also because Kalani Brown just wasn't going to fit in the rotation again. It was going to be the same problem that Derek Fisher had last year. So moving her for a piece that can help you win now makes total sense. So I like what LA did. I hope it works out for them because if it doesn't, next year's going to be messy, but I see why they did it. Oh yeah. I, I definitely, everyone should keep their eyes on LA because if it doesn't work out, like you think last year was messy with, with some of the uh, the things that you kept hearing rumblings about. Just wait for this year when you add in another star power, another vocal person in Brittany Sykes. Um, I just think it's going to be interesting time. Uh, I believe it's we should start calling them the Showtime Sparks, but that's just me. Um, any any final thoughts on LA before we move on to our our last winner? Uh, I really they team. brought TRP back. That was like a little, little, it's a little subtle thing, but bringing TRP back, I I love, I loved her when she was in DC. She's tough. She's tough. Yeah, no, she, she's tough. And, and, and honestly losing Elena Beard, you know, having that issue and to be able to, to fill in somebody who can do that shutdown defender role. I'm a big fan and I'm curious your take on this. How do you feel about players who kind of have a singular defensive minded role, uh, filling a spot on a roster? Cause I'm a big fan of it. Yeah, I mean, for her, it makes sense here, right? There are going to be times when uh, someone's shot isn't falling. And listen, Christy Tolliver is not a good defender. So, you know, if it comes to a point where either she's hurt or she isn't hitting her shots and it's time to plug TRP there to lock somebody up, like, so be it. I think it's a smart move. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Uh, Let's move on to my last team uh, as far as winners of free agency. And that's the Atlanta Dream. Now, a lot of people might say, what the hell are you talking about, R.A.? Um, but for me, Rachel and I have talked about it a lot on the pod and a lot off the pod where this team two years ago, amazed people last year, uh, disappointed, angered people for lack of a better term. And I think a lot of it came with complacency and a little bit of, oh, we've been here. We don't need to put in the effort necessarily that they did, uh, the year before. So what did Nikki Collin do? She said, we got to clean house. We got to start wheeling and dealing. I love saying wheeling and dealing. It's just fun to say. Um, and making moves to get, you know, there was a lot of, of move. You know, you lose Brittany Sykes. You lose a couple other players. There's some question marks of what the hell are they doing? But to, to come out on the other end, I mean, obviously free agency is not done yet. And I would not be shocked if they make a few more moves. 
but getting Courtney and Shakina are huge for this team and add the shooting that this team is is really lacked. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dream are the biggest winner of the entire offseason so far. Um, they really stole Courtney Williams today is the thing. I mean, they, they didn't give up all that much to get a really star guard in return. And uh, I also love them taking, you know, a chance and moving Brittany Sykes for Kalani Brown. I don't think that we should overlook that part of it either. Um, they took a player who was in the final year of her contract and got, uh, what, what was she, the number seven pick last year? I mean, Something like that, yeah. Brown could be a real impact player as a six seven center. We didn't really get to see her much in L.A., but she's going to get a ton of playing time in Atlanta. I love that move. I love the Strickland move just because she was such a solid piece to what Connecticut did, and she's an elite shooter, and I think she makes a ton of sense. And hell, I mean, signing Glory Johnson for a year, I like that too. Why not? I mean, I think Atlanta moves clearly into the one of the final uh, two playoff spots, in my opinion. Um, I think they're a playoff team now, and I didn't think that yesterday. No, I, I, I hear you on that. I mean, yesterday we recorded a pod and we were talking about it, and we put uh, Atlanta on the bottom bottom feeders, as we called it. Um, but no, I agree with you. This, this catapults them into a position where you expect them to be in the playoffs. When you have a top pick like Kalani Brown, when you have a, a, a proven veteran like Lori Johnson, and then you cannot sleep on Tiffany Hayes, assuming she's still with the team. I'm not trying to you know, start a rumor there. I'm just saying you never know with the way they're moving. Um, but to have Courtney Williams and, and a plethora of other talented players, I think they're definitely, I, I wouldn't consider them championship contenders or favorites in any way, but I definitely think they've brought themselves into the discussion of, playoff expectations um and that's definitely something good is, th- is there another team we left out that you're kind of thinking about that should be included in winners um i mean i still think that the mercury are a winner um even though we're gonna obviously have to talk about that for your hardly contracts because I, I don't know what was happening there but being able to take a, a player like bonner who was on her way out and turning that into skylar diggins can't be overlooked because uh, convincing the sign and trade to happen, whether that was just by CBA luck or Bonner's demand, regardless, I mean, that's massive. Being able to get some return for a player like that, which wasn't guaranteed for other teams. I mean, the Mystics lost Christy Tolliver for nothing. Um, so for them to be able to get picks in return and take those picks and turn them into Skylar Diggins is huge. And we're still you know, waiting to see exactly what the Mercury's final roster is going to look like. But I did like them also getting involved today and in, in dishing Brienne January, who we knew probably wasn't going to fit in that rotation now with so many guards, and uh, making the deal with the Dream also and filling out the depth the depth there with Breland and Coffee. So uh, I like what they've done, even if I don't like Bria Hartley's contract. Yeah, I I completely agree with everything you stated there. I mean, I think my gut reaction is to not call them a winner just because they lose Dewana Bonner and but like you said they were going to lose her. So if at the end of the day, they're losing her and getting something in return, then I guess we can't call that necessarily a loss. And that's something is Skylar Diggins Smith. So that's not, that's not true. No, that that's a very valid point. That was honestly, that whole move was so freaking confusing with the drafts going, the picks going here and going there. And it's the draft pick usage. It's something that we've, I've always been curious about is there's no real value in draft picks in the W it's, it's it's so different than other leagues and the amount of draft picks that have been moving around in this free agency period is boggling for a lot of people. I think. Yeah. It's something I've thought about writing also. I, I don't, it's weird. Like you see teams, 
that are on the rebuild like Dallas, right? Who is just stockpiling so many picks that I, it, it doesn't make much sense. And like in a normal league, you would take, you would see a team with that many picks and be like, okay, one of these years, they're going to use those to, you know, parlay into some other massive player or whatever. And like, that's just not going to happen here. There's so few teams that hardly anybody else is rebuilding and wants those picks. Uh, like their value isn't that high and, I mean, we have first-round picks that get cut all the time in the W, so I don't really know how it's going to work. It's it's confusing and interesting, but I, I'm excited to see how it works because you know they're not just going to sit there uh, with their, their hands under their butt. Um, all right, let's talk about losers real quick. For me, it, it's it's pretty simple, actually, when you talk about two the, the two first losers in my mind. Indiana and Minnesota. And the reason they're losers to me is because they legitimately made no moves. Uh, yes, they've re-signed a few players. I mean, Minnesota hasn't even done anything. Um, but th- just all of these other teams in the league, like we've been talking about, even if they're at the bottom of the pack of the league, are still making moves, adjustments to get to that next level and be winners, or at least, you know, take a leap from not a playoff team to a playoff team or not a, a contender to a contender. Um Those two teams have not done anything. Obviously, I think there's a belief that Minnesota is kind of punting to next year and hoping, hey, we can develop the roster that we have now and we're not going to win it anyways this year. But then the following year, we'll have some cap space to really make some moves that other teams can't. Uh, Indiana, similarly, is kind of doubling down on their current roster. Um, What's your reaction? Would you agree that they're losers? Do you think that I'm being too harsh? Uh, I mean, we still have the period before the draft, obviously, when teams will make their final moves before the season. But yeah, the complacency has to be a little frustrating, I think, for both franchises. Uh, obviously, we know the Lynx were, were involved in trying to get Skylar Diggins-Smith, and ultimately, they didn't feel like three first-round picks was uh, the right price. Um, and that's frustrating to a degree, I think. But they've both these teams have also avoided paying players who didn't fit too much money, which I think has maybe been a trend uh, among some other teams that have tried to become contenders. But they have to be satisfied that they haven't overpaid somebody that didn't deserve it. And these two teams might come down the line next year and be like the suitor for teams who can't pay the players they have on payroll. Um, You look at teams like the Aces who are just stockpiling so much talent who they can't pay all of next year and they'll probably have to get rid of one of those pieces and maybe Minnesota becomes that team that's able to poach a big talent for a cheap price just because there's only 12 teams in the league and there's hardly anybody else to trade to. So maybe this works out in the long term. But yeah, uh, for next year, I don't really know how Minnesota is going to fill out the rest of its roster. I think most of the free agents are that are going to make an impact are pretty much been signed at this point. Uh, and they're going to have to just bank on Nafisa being even better than how outrageously good she was last year and Syl Fowles, you know, keeping up her health. But I don't know who they play at point guard. If that's Lexi Brown, we haven't really seen too much of her yet. That's going to be a big role for her. I don't know. There are a lot of questions with both teams. They're obviously both building towards the future, but teams should be a little frustrated that they haven't seen a single move yet. Yeah, no, I, 100%. And, and I do think that Lexi is going to be starting this season. That's just kind of my gut reaction. But I'm curious to see who they're going to pair her back uh, in the backcourt with because 
that's like we know her as a shooter as a straight baller but we don't know her as a passer or a facilitator um is that an aspect of her game that we just haven't given enough minutes to to see that or she hasn't been asked to do that or is it just you know what we need to fit a different piece in here uh, and figure out where that goes um it's it's going to be an interesting season for the Lynx as far as it's going to be very different i think than even the last two years which i think most Lynx fans would agree were disappointing but i think it's going to be different there's going to be signs of hope uh for this franchise indiana as well i mean indiana's in in their own different situation the last two teams that i have uh real quickly in the losers of free agency and this going to be a ridiculously hot take so first chicago sky i think they're a loser because they didn't really make too many moves um they're kind of sitting there as a team that maybe before free agency kicked in you might have talked about being a championship contender obviously assuming that diamond shields makes another leap that we've seen from her um but for me, you know, losing a stew and and not necessarily gaining some outside talent. I don't want to call them superstar teams because but there are like five superstar teams in this league. So I just find them a loser only because of what other teams have done and it being hard to keep up. And the last one that's a really ridiculously hot take uh, for me is Las Vegas. And the reason I view them as a loser is Honestly, just based on what they've done as far as their obvious stated goal for growth, they are doubling down on this idea of now we're not going to shoot the ball. We're not going to spread the court. We're going to just drive to the paint and we're going to play classic Bill Lambeer physical basketball. And we're just going to beat everybody into submission. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Sky. I think. Uh, they were one of the unlucky teams along with the Lynx to want a key player and not get one, uh, which is really frustrating, I think, because that team felt like it. it's like it's almost there. It's missing one piece. And maybe it's replaced by Diamond DeShields coming out and being the top five or so player we think she's going to get to at some point. Maybe this is her year. But yeah, they didn't really get better at all. I think losing a stew was weird. Uh, I don't really understand the process of not wanting to pay her now when you have Quigley and Vandersloot at their peaks. Um, I don't also really understand the, the Katie Lou Samuelson trade either. I thought that was a weird trade for both teams. Uh, essentially what Chicago did this off season was take a stew, trade her to Dallas and then hope Azare becomes what a stew already was. So I don't really get what the logic there, uh, really was and they they sent a pick along with katie lou down to dallas so anyway that just was a mess to me uh so we'll see what chicago has but i think it's going to be a lot of what what last year was um which is good but not good enough uh and vegas i'm in agreement with you i think one of i was so excited for this team's growth i think at the very end of last year we saw what they could be at their peak with kelsey plum running the point they were fire I mean, Asia Wilson wasn't even having a great postseason, and it didn't really matter uh, with how good Hamby and Liz Cambage were. I mean, this team has so much talent, and I don't really get why they took all the problems from last year, ignored them, and said, nah, fuck it, we'll just sign Angel and see what happens. I mean, that's sort of what it feels like. Not, I mean, Angel's a great yeah. player. She's a great scorer, but she does all of the things that Vegas doesn't need her to do. I mean, they they need a floor spacer. They need to find a way for Asia and Liz to work together in tandem. And what this does is just add another person who isn't a good three-point shooter to the mix. 
And then even more confusingly, they signed Daniel Robinson, which who, again, great, great player, but doesn't fit that team at all. She has the same problems where she isn't a shooter. So, you know, it's going to be very easy for these teams with big centers who are able to switch and guard in space like Seattle and like Washington. And they're going to prey on the aces because they're not going to have to even move much. It's, it's going to be really clunky. Uh, I don't really see how it works. And uh, I don't know how I am if I'm a star player on the aces seeing this move because it just takes away shots uh, from players who already get them in those areas. No, I, I completely agree with him. I'm happy because I think a lot of people I've seen on social media have just been raving about how, oh, look at this star-studded Las Vegas lineup. They're amazing, this, this, and that. And for me, I'm just sitting here scratching my head like, is this team really ready or able even, not even ready, able to compete uh, against Connecticut, against Seattle, against, you know, Washington or LA? Like, for me, I view them truly as like a fifth to sixth place in the league when – if you get someone who can space it, who can shoot it from behind the arc um, during this free agency period, I think they easily bump up to a, a top three team. Yeah, I mean, them signing Dewana Bonner would have put them as the favorite by far. But I I don't know. I, I don't really see Bill's vision. We don't see eye to eye on most basketball-related things. Uh, there, maybe there's a reason why he has his job and I have mine. But just logically, I don't, I don't see the sense of it. I don't even get who they're going to start. Um, I, I, are you going to start? Jackie Young and Angel McCautry in the same lineup. I don't know how that works offensively. Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of questions about the Aces. I'm definitely excited to see them play. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, but I think that they took all of their issues and like triple and quadruple down on the same ones for this upcoming year. I completely agree. Well, that's all we got for this episode. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. Why don't you let the folks uh, know your Twitter handle and where they can find you? Uh, you can follow me at M. Ellentuck. I will have uh, plenty of takes on the Fever's new 610 center, um, who is the only person I care about right now. Boom. There you go. Well, thank you for joining us. And as we always say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community help support us and the hard work that we do.